Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be, let's say, less than fascinating, so you you can just feel free to drift off, relax, catch some Zs. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. Follow us at Listen and Sleep, and feel free to rate us on iTunes. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me is Anthony... How do, I, how do I say your last name? Nemet. Nemet. I usually or. I usually ask this before, and I didn't, but or? Well, my grandfather, who the last name originally belonged to, is from Hungary, and I've been told that it's actually pronounced Nemat, or oh, something yeah. along those okay. lines, and it means German, from what I understand, so... So that's a hu- Hungarian there. name for German? It's a Hungarian name for a German given to a Macedonian-Hungarian-Polynesian boy born in Canada. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow, there's a multicultural mix yeah, for you. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I'm fortunate to have you here, Anthony, because you are a record producer, or music producer. I guess we don't say record producer anymore, do we? Uh, no, I guess you're right, but to be honest, records... What is a record? A recording. So I guess it does work. I like to say record producer. It's cool. Cool. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll say record producer yeah. and um, and music producer. And I want to ask you, what was the road that led you to this? Well, when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I discovered the program GarageBand. Okay, yeah. which we're recording on which right now. Which we're using right now. And I don't know what it was about the idea of recording music that was attractive to me, but I had always been a music fan since I was a baby. I would stand on a phone book with a little plastic microphone and sing Billy Ray Cyrus songs, but then, uh, I don't know, I grew up to realize that my true interests were in recorded music rather than live music. There's just something magic about the creation of audio being... Put together in a way that creates something greater than the sum of its parts, I guess. Sure. So, I was about 15 years old, discovered GarageBand, and I had been playing guitar for a long time with a bunch of people at school, and I decided, you know what? This is all just a means to an end, so let's learn how to get to that end. And from that point forward, I developed my skills, and I still do that to this day. Amazing. So, do you currently stand on a soapbox and, and sing... Um, Billy Ray's daughter's music, Miley Cyrus's music. I do do that. I actually okay. ride around on a in a little uh, go kart with a microphone attached to a portable <laughs> amplifier. Young and Dundas Square in Toronto, our own little Times Square, and I sing my heart out in there the summertime. You so, you know, I'm who, waiting for that. Who are some of the music producers that you admire? Um, is there anyone like that comes to mind? Yeah, a lot. 
um, it's interesting because I think a record producer or music producer could be how do I say this? They could fill very varying roles. For instance, some of the best record producers of all time were arrangers with a history in you know classical music who could really hear the way things should be put together. Some were very technical scientist type guys. Some were maybe drug dealers who just knew the right people and okay. knew how to make them, how to light them on fire. Sure. But the people that come to mind to me, I don't know. The first person that came to mind to me was Nile Rodgers. Right. With the group Chic, who worked with Madonna and David Bowie and Duran Duran and stuff like that. He's more of a, I don't know, I don't want to say he's a drug dealer, but he definitely was a party animal from what I understand. And so he kind of put himself in the right place and people just knew what he was about. But he was also just a killer gu- guitarist, an amazing, I don't know. He just knew how to make people dance. And that's just one thing. Uh, other than him, other heroes of mine, let's see. I really like the music that came after disco, which might be called Boogie or something. It's like disco slow down. When R&B and soul music first met computers. Okay. And there are some producers from that era like Kashif, who actually passed away last year, and obviously Prince, who's my hero in right. every aspect of life. Did you ever see Prince live? I did. Uh, Prince live is another level. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Phenomenal. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I tend to like that era of music a lot because it shows a weird way of... It goes beyond music, and it goes into that kind of science area where you're learning how to use new technology to make non-human things human. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. No, sure it does. I mean, you know your space more than I do, so it makes sense to me. Um, What is the most difficult part of producing music? Like, what, what is the challenge? What is the challenge in producing music? The challenge in producing music, especially when you're working with other people rather than yourself, is allowing that artist or that musician to kind of be themselves on their own terms while allowing you to take complete control. Right. If that makes any sense. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, massaging egos a little bit and, um, you know, but still wanting to put your fingerprint absolutely right yes it's it's um it's very hard to meet you know how do i what's the best way to say this without kind of being offensive or something but when you're creating art music acting anything that involves putting yourself on display it's very hard for human beings to kind of just go with the flow and i think that's what separates the greats from the people who do it as a hobby you know is that being able to tolerate the down points of it all, of potential putting yourself out on the line and not being accepted or look being looked at in a strange way. But when you meet those people who are just willing to try anything and go down any road that you might suggest while you're driving together as a metaphor, sure. then, you know, then those are the people that great things happen with, in my okay. opinion. Walk me through this. Okay. I'm a musician. You're going to produce my album. Yeah. What's the first thing you do? Well, first thing we do is, well... It depends. We can meet each other, like Nile Rogers, in a club like Studio 54 in the bathroom and do something dangerous and then be like, you know what, we get along as people. Let's just go into a room and see what happens with instruments. I could hear your music on the internet or someone could give me, a, you know, back in the day, cassette tape and I could hear something in your voice or in your performing, performance, sorry, whatever instrument you're playing and I could kind of visualize where I would place that in the spectrum of, you know, musical references that flutter around my head. So let's just take one example. Um, let's say you're a guitarist who writes songs in your bedroom. 
It's exactly what you, I do. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's say that you are a big fan of, I don't know, John Lennon. Sure. You like this kind of nursery rhyme, ch- like children's book lyrical aspect, like something that, you know, one angle of what John Lennon did in the 60s. You're into this really playful type of wordplay with your music. And I, that's what I'm hearing in what you Sure, do. okay. I get in touch with you, you get in touch with me. You say, look... I love writing songs in my bedroom. I'm really into guitars and stuff, whatever. That being said, I can't really find a way to express myself in recording in my own studio, in my house, whatever it may be. I need your help because I'm trying to go for this type of sound. Like, I don't know, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band mixed with uh, some crazy psychedelic cartoon. I say, you know what? I heard that in your music too, for instance. Why don't you come on over? So you come over, you sit down. I like to put music on and kind of vibe out and just kind of travel the travel the history of music together and be like, look, there's this album from the 70s that I think really goes well with what you're trying to say on the ter- in terms of its groove and its the instruments and machines used on it. So we'd be like, yeah, and then we kind of construct an idea from that point and be like, look, let's make something that sounds like this, mixed with this, mixed with this. So, from that point forward, we decide a few things. Do we want to have live instruments on this record? Do we want to have all electronic instruments on this record? What's our budget for this record? Sure. Of course. Um, and then from there, we move forward. We probably start off with, you know, making a little sketch of your song. What do you, you mean by hard. sketch? Sketch, I mean, like, you sit down with the guitar, and we build up a little demo version. So I would be like, okay, here's here's my thought on this particular song, and I'd play you some chords, and I might sing you what's floating in my head, but it's not a song yet. Is Ex- that is that what you're saying, exactly. or yeah. or is it I have a song, this is what I'm thinking? Could be either. Oh, I see. So say you have a song on an acoustic guitar. Sure. That being said, you and I decide that we could really expand upon those, you know basic foundations of the song the chords the melody we want to add horns we want to add strings we want to add live drumming and we want to add synthesizers so we in my home studio or in any studio we'd go in we'd start from the bottom up we'd make a little drum beat if we have a live drummer at even disposal, better we sure. get that down and then we build up from there adding all these elements and then you know i you can't really know what you can have an idea of where you're going or where you're driving to to use that metaphor again but sure you have to kind of decide when you want to get off the highway and just stop because you know sometimes there's a thing that many people refer to called demoitis oh i've never heard of this which it sounds is when, like a disease of some sort some sort is. of condition it's, not a great condition it is it causes you know causes heartache many many yeah, broken hearts, broken <laughs> dreams is just like you make a little demo sketch version of this song that has this sort of quality to it, this rawness, this kind of immediacy because it's you're trying to capture something that comes out of you as, as soon as the idea is born into your head. And that is the thing that is impossible to replicate. When you get something in the right moment, when the muse, you know, shoots that that lightning bolt crashes into you while you're sitting at the easel or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. When you grab it at that point, that's when magic is captured. But, okay. So, anyways, but I don't know. We kind of lost track here. No, no. But so, but that is point, that demoitis? Is that demoitis? Is when you when you capture that lightning in the bottle at a certain point, but 
you know, other factors or other influences, other people, other establishments, institutions, or schools of thought are telling you that it needs to sound a different way. Oh, I see. It needs to sound more professional. It might need to sound more glossy. It might need to sound more... Isn't that something... What it ha- isn't that the case that happened with Kelly Clarkson? When she won American Idol, they wanted her to sing country music, and that wasn't her thing. She wanted to sing more rock pop and they kind of forced her or the record label was like no no you're going to record a country album and she did you know dutifully and and whatnot but it never flew the way her pop rock stuff flew and that's where she really took flight so would that be a case of like outside influences mucking around with what the artist's concept is Fair to say or not really? Yes. Well, sorry, we're talking about Kelly Clarkson, am I right? Yeah, well, I'm okay. just saying in yes. this particular case. It's a good example because I think that, in a way, the using her as an example shows how outside influences could either make, break or make sure. somebody's career. Because, for instance, from what I understand about her career is, yeah, she kind of swam around in that area for a while, but then when she met this producer called Dr. Luke, who was bringing in another flavor from the New York indie rock sound of the yeah yeah yeahs and the strokes and stuff that was happening there in the 2000s and then you know this was a guy who was working with a major major producer in Max Martin and they kind of thought about you know what maybe we should kind of steer her in a different direction completely and then they did that and bam look at that she hit like that lightning bolt so right. I don't know there's actually a very interesting book called The Song Machine I think it's called that came out about a year or two ago that talks about the development of pop songwriting and popular music since the 90s and stuff like coming out of Sweden people like Max Martin who I mentioned the Backstreet who wrote for the Backstreet Boys and Christina Aguilera and all that stuff in the 90s that was really annoying and everywhere but that kind of, it shows how that's developed into what is now you know another beast of an industry in America with artists like Katy Perry or Kesha people working with that guy Dr. Luke but you know it's hard to say. In this day and age, with everything changing because of the internet, streaming, everybody seems to listen to all types of music as opposed to just sticking with country or sticking as being a rocker or whatever when they're in high school. You know what I mean? So I think that, I don't know, we're in no man's land. Is it easier to produce in today's age with the accessibility of things like GarageBand in a simplistic way or software that one can download and have a home system versus in the past? Well, I think that it's amazing to have access to this equipment, but what a producer might add to somebody, like, for instance, audio engineering, I'd say, is the other side of of production that focuses less with abstract things such as uh, inspiration and I don't know guidance and project management in a way audio engineering is kind of the the scientific way of capturing sounds in a way that will allow for the final product to be made so I think that you know you can people can have amazing equipment in this day and age or in the 60s 70s 50s whatever it is but I always think that it takes that vision and that sort of weird spiritual I don't know spiritual the ability to kind of see into the spirit of something into the spirit of a song or a person or a culture so like you one could say audio engineering does not make a, a sound producer or a music producer no 
And I think a lot of people confuse that. They think, oh, an yeah. audio engineer who records and ensures that the voices are at the right level yeah. to everything else is the actual producer. But would it be safe to say that the music producer, record producer, is the one who sort of delegates? He's the captain of the ship. And you've got the first mate being, let's say, the audio engineer. You've got the co-captain being the musician or the artist. And the audio engineer, or sorry, the um, record producer steers this vehicle called the ship. I'd say yes, but there are many cases, especially nowadays, but even back then, where the engineer or the audio engineer was the producer. Oh, I see. Right? But there were always assistants around, still are, I'm sure. But, you know, it's like I said at the beginning, it, this role could be filled up by anybody. You know, I personally, I have used really expensive mixing consoles, SSLs, Neve, stuff like that. Huge you know, mixing boards in expensive studios. Sure. But I mean, I'd rather not. I'm I I to me what a producer is in in terms of what I would like it to be mm-hmm. is just a professional music fan. And I think that my greatest what I bring to the table that or the tool that I've always gone to in terms of and what I've, what I've relied on the most is my obsession with the history of recorded pop music. And I think that being able to speak with other musicians through, you know, combining, say, how do I say this? Uh, this sounds like Madonna mixed with the Beatles. This sounds like a Pharrell producing, I don't know, the Beach Boys. This is, this is the way that I think... I can most directly get into an artist's head as opposed to saying, you know, I think we should compress the vocals using this type of compressor from this era and then we can EQ and spike it a bit at 15k, whatever it is. I think it's a matter of just saying to them, you know what, I love this warm characteristic of the vocals that were captured at this studio that you might know, Pet Sounds was recorded there. So let's try and get this warm, you know, kind of auditory hugging feeling to the vocals and then put a really heavy Wu-Tang dirty drum beat feel underneath it and then that's when, that's when you get excited because we're all music fans right? Sure. If you're not a music fan you don't know what I'm talking about then I don't know maybe we just aren't the right team or something. I don't fair. Know. Fair. You know it's interesting you should say that Anthony because what it reminds me of is I went to Sun Records in Memphis yeah. and I saw the studio there and it's a very simple studio i don't know how else to describe it right but it had the sun record sound and so for those listeners who might not be familiar with sun records it's the label that elvis recorded on it's the label that i think johnny cash recorded um you know the million the million dollar uh quartet recorded there and i can't remember the other two right now they'll come to me uh he wrote blue suede shoes anyways there was a bunch of do you you know what i'm talking about anyways uh, uh uh, Roy Orbison and Bro- stuff there, I think. Right. I a bunch of people. Anyways. Carl Perkins. Carl Perkins. Yeah. That's exactly who I was thinking. Carl yeah. Perkins. And um, they recorded at Sun Records in Memphis. Yeah. And when you look at it, it's a simple yeah. little studio with a very basic mic. I mean, the microphone didn't look like anything yeah. spectacular. And what's fascinating is you can still record there. Yeah. And it wasn't very expensive to record there. Yeah. I mean, that, that, go, that goes back kind of to the original point again where... Who knows what is responsible for that Sun Records sound or that... You too, I think, recorded Rattle and Hum there. Yeah, exactly. You, the, there are, It could be a million things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the color of the paint on a wall in a room and the lighting can have a massive effect on you the second you walk into it. That might throw you into a complete mood. It could have been... 
It could have been technical. It could have been the the way the board was wired at Sun Records. I don't know. It could be the it could be anything. It could sure. be the team of people that were in there that kind of that would make you feel a certain way when sure. you went in and pull that out of you. It could be the size of the room. It could be anything. Wow. I don't think that. I mean, I'm sure all of these places, you know, all of these famous recording studios have their own signature quote unquote sound, but once again, I think that I don't know. There's so many factors. It could be the way you play your instrument. It could be the songs you're playing with your instruments. It could be the way the audio is captured in that studio. It could be the way the audio is mixed using whatever equipment is available at that time. It could be the way that audio is transferred to the medium that you end up listening to it on. It could be the headphones or speakers that you listen to it on once it's pressed or released. It could be the people you're listening to it with in that room. It goes on and on. It's like making a coffee. There's a million factors between the bean being bagged and picked from the ground or whatever it is to when it's actually in your cup that can completely change everything. Right. So it's just magic. To the humidity of the day to when the it's pressed, right? Day, or to the pork being made in the kitchen at the restaurant. Right, fair enough. Um, you mentioned songwriters. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about songwriters and their influence in um, sound recording and music recording. For example, like someone like Sia, yes. who will often record the vocals of a song that she wants to give yeah. to another artist. And then... I forget what the case was. I think it was the song Titanium that they okay. used her vocals. Yeah. But she had sent her vocals, her vocal track to someone for someone else to record. Yes. And they said, no, we can't match yeah. this. What are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, um, is it like, do you instantly know when you hear it? You're like, no, this person's vocals. Absolutely. Ha- okay. I think you, I think anybody could hear that. I don't think it takes any type of special ear, special ear or anything okay. like that. I don't think. You know, I just think that I think having that that quote unquote trained ear, whatever you want to call it, like that 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 ear that can pick up any movement in pitch or anything. I don't I don't I don't care about that person. Sure. I think that that's like you know shows like The Voice and stuff at X Factor. They kind of drive the point home where it's like even it's called X Factor, but let's be honest, there's like a there's a lot of heavy duty critiquing and stuff. But an artist like Sia, is that how you pronounce it? Sia Sia. I'm. Here's something, here's something that a big a big part of and this goes back to the f- first point before the first point about sure about um music production and, and goals with an artist or whatever you can do music as a hobby the same way you go and play basketball every Wednesday night right but at the end of the day it's a business if you're trying to make money off right and there are many factors involved in taking your ideas from your brain and turning it into a product that will make money Right, and unfortunately, or fortunately, however, whichever way you want to look at it, image, and you know, the way things are branded and presented to you as a music fan or as a member of the public, are a are I'd argue and argue a bigger factor than the actual sound of the song. It's so interesting, and not only in this day and age. Right, it's so interesting that you say that because, for example, Celine Dion. Yeah. Her branding and her image does not speak to me. Exactly. It's not meant for, for me. It, yeah. She's not marketed towards me. Exactly. But I heard her sing live once, and she's phenomenal. That. Of course. Yeah. She's phenomenal. There's yeah. no arguing. The song, the lyrics might not be my style, my genre, whatnot, yeah. but 
there's no questioning the voice that was coming of out course. of her, right? And, you know, she's someone who often people will kind of, like, make fun of or, yeah. you know, say, say you know, jokes about. But it's yeah. like, yeah, you can do all that, but you can't, you know, there's a reason yeah. she's got millions exactly. of... Well, there's actually a very interesting book about Celine Dion okay. and this exact question of tastes. It's, it's written by a Canadian, actually. I believe his name is Carl Wilson. It's part of a series of books called 33 and One Third, which refers to the speed RPMs, which are record turns, of course. But this is a series of books where there's small little pocket-sized books written about one album. It's like okay. extended liner notes or something like that. But this book is, is, I guess the subtitle is A Journey to the End of Taste, and it's about one of her records from the 90s. And it's actually a very, very fascinating look at this exact topic. And it's that, that series of books, I'd say was my education since I was 12 oh. years old on how records are made, every type of music. The cu- Like, you got to understand, like I said, cultural context, when something is released, the way it's released, what it sounds like in comparison to everything else released around that time, That those are all things that determine, you know, what something is kind of worth. You, you, you know, people complain, music is so bad these days, blah, 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 blah. But I mean... Everything in hindsight is, you know, beautiful and whatever. Sure. But let's go back to 1966 when the Beatles released, you know, their crazy stuff. What was being played on the radio? There was probably a lot of annoying stuff, you know, to, at the time, whatever. But you need, the, the reason that these things all stand out, all the way back to, you know, Elvis, the Beatles, all the way up to Kendrick Lamar in the past few years, making this crazy, blown-out, kind of free jazz-inspired record. It's like... Why Why do these things stick out? And why are they going to survive? And it's because, you know... it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at. Fair enough. Bottom line is Celine Dion has a great voice. And at the end of the day, true, raw emotion cuts through everything. And doesn't matter what kind of shoes you wear on stage if you can sound like Celine Dion. Right. Or Adele. Or uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Or Sarah McLaughlin. I, you know, once again, I've heard her songs on the radio mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, likable enough. And then I saw her live, and her voice is tremendous, for exactly. lack of a better word. Yeah. Like, it's like her voice is outstanding. Yeah. And when we go back to the idea of, of artists or branding and whatever, I don't know what I'm getting at here. The bottom line is you can't really um, plan when things are going to go your way or plan how they're going to go. All you can do is just do what you do and do it to the best of your ability. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Fair enough. Well, listen, Anthony, thank you for recording with me today. My pleasure. And I have to say, like, I'm a little bit, you know, my sound recording engineering is quite basic here. So I appreciate you. That's the way it should be. There you go. Is there any... um, before we go, any record producers that you would say look out for that you think you're going to see great things? Coming up? Yeah, coming up. Because I'd, I'd love to like do another podcast with you, say, a year from now and see, yeah. see where those people are placed. Uh, it's interesting because in, in the um, kind of – there are different you know, worlds. Sure, sure. They're, they're, I think that the most groundbreaking music is being made in – the ele- worlds of house and techno and electronic based dance music and in hip hop where people as always since the invention of the sampler or drum machines are taking you know sounds made that they've captured from the outside world and turning them 
into, you know, completely other things or taking old music with samples and, you know, I, I'm a sucker for, for sampled music like, you know, producers like Mad Lib, Rock Marciano, Q-Tip, I don't know. Produ- who are the producers to look out for? I really couldn't tell you. I bet you the, the answer to that, I don't know the answer to it because people come and go so quickly and make their mark, but it's great to see when, when people who start making really crazy stuff in their bedroom meet with a with a great talent like a Beyonce or her sister Solange and then they create something that kind of goes down that middle road of accessibility and out there-ness and they create something really true and original and those are the people that blow my mind so my answer to you is I look forward to when we meet again next in a year and we know who that is I would say that person yeah. is Anthony Nemet oh, so that's great. we'll look out for him Anthony thank you once again yeah, nice to be here thank you. as always The Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Production And this episode was recorded in Toronto, Canada.